The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Hello, and welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast, brought to you by Rival Fantasy. Visit, visit rivalfantasy.com or download the app today for a better way to play fantasy baseball. Today is Saturday, May 20th. I am Chris Crawford, and with me here is my good friend, Ryan Boyer. Today, we're going to talk about prospects because I basically, I, I demand that I talk about prospects every month or so. Um, please check out my article, Imminent Arrivals, on Rotowire. I think it's good stuff. Ryan has an awesome uh, lineup article to check out as well, but he can promote that at some other point. We don't have time for it, Ryan. I'm so sorry. Just kidding. Uh, but we're going to talk about that. But first, we're going to start with some headlines. And I think the biggest one's got to be Manny Machado because impartial, because this just doesn't happen with Manny Machado. For the first time since 2014, he was Crazy. placed on the injured list with a right-hand injury Sounds like it's going to be a pretty short thing here, but it's pretty crazy. I, I know that we've written blurbs for a long time. I know if I have never written a Manny Machado 10-day IL stint. I, I'm guessing you maybe haven't either, but maybe. Um, I don't know. I, that would have fallen in the window of me doing blurbs, but I don't know if I personally would have. But right. I mean, remember he had those – he had the torn ACL. Right. He, he really had like it seemed like he was going to be an injury prone guy initially, like because he had lots of leg issues. But then he's just been Lou Gehrig basically ever since then. So right. Um, yeah, it's it takes a lot for uh, Mr. Machado to to go on the IL. But apparently, as he as he said, you know, when you have a when you have a broken bone. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily something you can just play through. So, yeah, but it seems like it's going to be kind of a shorter, a shorter term thing. I don't know if there's they, they, Brandon Dixon came yeah. up to the roster spot. Um, probably see him a little bit at third. They could also put Rugnet Odor at second and Hassan Kim over at third. Right. Um, potentially, I guess they could put. Matt Carpenter at first, move Cronenworth around. Maybe Nelson Cruz gets a few more bats, but Cruz and Carpenter have both been kind of terrible. I, I don't know that this yeah. is – there's really going to be any positive fantasy fallout as far as anybody that's going to be picking up extra playing time. Like, I don't right. really know that they're going to be fantasy relevant from this. No, I, th I would agree with that. And unfortunately, uh, Machado exits – 
kind of at a disappointing time for him. Not kind of. He's been a bit, very big disappointment this year. Mm-hmm. I believe an LPS right now is 654. That is not what folks signed up for, especially considering how good he was last year. 298, 366, 531 with 32 homers and nine steals. And it does kind of speak to it, Ryan. That Padres lineup that we all loved, it's not very deep. It is not the deepest lineup at all. And when Rubenet Odor is getting significant playing time and you've got guys like, all due respect to him, Brett Sullivan playing consistently for him, that's not great. It, it, I, I don't think I would have predicted saying this before the start of the season, but I think the Padres kind of offers streaming opportunities right now for people that are facing them. I, I did not think I would be saying that. It's very, it's a very top heavy lineup. Yeah. Um, the bottom half is not very good. Um, no. And the top half has been on the whole disappointing. So right. yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that I would feel confident starting a pitcher against them, but I mean, the numbers say you sh- you should, at least right now, I do think they'll figure it out. I do. Too. Um, I think they'll ultimately be, ultimately be fine. I, I suspect, I suspect AJ Preller might get another bat too eventually oh, yeah. to, to help out towards the bottom half of that lineup. So I think the Padres Have are going to be fine. Before? Have they been aggressive in trades before? Is this something that's uh, next to, next to your boy, uh, Jerry DePoto. I think he's, Oh, Mr. I think uh, he's, I think he's used to the transaction. I think he's Yusuf Gerard, I, especially in terms of big transactions, because like, yeah. look, Depoto does have the Luis Castillo trade, which was a pretty massive one. Probably does, like does not like to sit on his hands. That's for sure. No. Hey, I love it. I, I, I know that it hasn't necessarily worked out. It is funny that we talk about the Padres like they're this big failure. They were just in the NLCS last year. So yeah. let's not uh, let's not completely call everything that's not worked out. They do, they probably have to get to a World Series to call this a a true success. But uh, I like AJ Priller. I like him a lot. You know who else I like a lot is Jacob Degrom, and he says that he has turned a corner with the latest BP session uh, through a twenty five pitch bullpen session. His direct quote: "For sure, feel like I've turned a corner. Everything felt good." Definitely headed in the right direction. I'm ready to get back out there. Uh, that's a step up from the 16 to 18 pitches that he threw uh, in the previous outing. Great to hear great news about Jacob DeGrom, yes? Always always great to hear great news about the best per-inning pitcher in baseball, I would say. Um, it's probably still going to be take a little while. I know they're going to – they're trying to be understandably extra cautious – as they build him back up, um, but what twenty-five pitch bullpen session probably going to be ready for live BP before too long, and then uh, a rehab start or two. He, he hasn't been sidelined that long, so I don't no. know that it probably take a couple rehab starts still. Uh, so he's probably I don't know at least three weeks away. I would say still ish probably. Um, that's probably for the best. Um, but, yeah, always good to when Jacob deGrom is trending in the right direction, however however fleeting that might be. <laughs> yeah, this, uh, those moments. It's You know what? Jacob deGrom is, for those of you who play golf, Jacob deGrom is that great golf shot because there will be 
long spurts where everything's going terrible, and then you hit one flush that lands about six feet from the pin, and you think, oh, this is so this is, now, Luckily, this is why I play this game. Yeah, exactly. hundred percent. That's, I mean, Jacob deGrom golf, it worked out perfect. Um, somebody create one of those memes with that perfect quote that I just had. Uh, Jose Altuve is not as beloved, I think, as Jacob deGrom. And maybe Jacob deGrom isn't beloved by a lot of people who live uh, in uh, the area of New York. But he is back in the lineup. He goes over four with a walk. He is hitting at the top of the lineup. It is worth pointing out, Ryan, and I think you and I uh, got to do a lot of blurbs about his minor league rehab stuff. He was not good in his rehab assignment. I believe two for 22, uh, which is interesting following his, even with the Astros winning the World Series, absolutely horrific uh, postseason performance. I still think you have to have Jose Altuve in your lineup right now, yeah? Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, those... Both singles, I believe, too, on that rehab assignment. So no, right. no extra base hits. Um, you know, it's a coming back from a, a thumb injury. Maybe he doesn't quite have all the strength in that hand quite yet. Um, I suspect. I mean, Altuve is a guy who really doesn't take days off, but I suspect they're going to mix in some extra days off here in the early going as he kind of eases back into things. Uh, so maybe. You know that'll help uh, help him build rebuild some some strength in that thumb and that in that hand, but you got to put Jose Altuve in your lineup. Um, I mean, sure, it would be great if he crushed the ball during his rehab assignment, but right, is anybody going to be surprised if he winds up getting seven hits the next two days? So it's no. it's, it's Jose Altuve. So stick him in there Absolutely. and just cross your fingers. Yeah, absolutely. And again, we talked about this last week. It's more about the FOMO here. You do not want him on your bench when he goes three for five. And this is not, you know, like a prospect type of thing where you're taking a wait and see approach. We have seen the track record of how good Jose Altuve could be. And he was before that postseason excellent in 2022. I think he's going to be uh, just fine, but, you know, prepared to take some bitter with the better. Uh, there's been a lot of Bitter with these next two pitchers I want to talk to you about, Ryan. Uh, Michael Kopech and Reed Detmers, but they weren't bitter yesterday. Uh, Michael Kopech threw eight innings of one-hit baseball, didn't allow a run. Uh, the only hit a single by Michael Massey, 10 strikeouts. Hugely did not walk anybody, which uh, command has been such an issue for this guy, uh, but does throw eight innings of shutout baseball. And also Reed Detmers. Takes a no-hitter into the, I believe, the sixth inning. Uh, gives up three runs in five and two-thirds innings, which isn't great. But he strikes out 12. Now, Michael Kopech lowers his ERA to 4.83. Reed Detmers lowers his ERA to 4.87. Uh, Ryan, just kind of talk about both of these guys, and I'll ask you to kind of end with it. If you had to roster one of Kopech and Detmers, which of those two guys are you rostering? I have been on... Team Detmers from the jump, and yeah, this didn't change anything. Um, no, I mean, uh, I was kind of out on Kopech, honestly. Um, I'm still skeptical, I would say, but he was also, I saw he peaked at 99.4 with his yeah. with his fastball, he's been throwing a, a little harder. Did not see an outing like this coming from him. Um, he got 
20 whiffs, I believe, yesterday, uh, 15 of which were on the fastball, um, which, I mean, it's always – it's it, when you can get whiffs on your fastball, that's a great a great sign, but also For sure. how sustainable is that? Right. Um, you know, Detmers used the slider yesterday as his main pitch and got – I think he went up with like 24 whiffs. And those three runs, by the way, uh, all scored or wait, two of the three, I believe, scored after he was pulled. Uh, he still had a no hitter going. At, he struck out the first two hitters of the sixth and gave it like back to back singles and then got pulled. And then both of those runs, like Trevor Gott came in and he did not got them. Something like that. Oh, anyway, yeah. Reed By the way, Trevor got plays for the Mariners. Um, let's let's oh let's, yeah wait wait so not not only did you make a terrible joke, Bryce Miller by the way is who ended up doing uh, that. So you oh, made that's a right. terrible that's joke right. and referenced the wrong team. Oh, Ryan, they paid Jimmy Hergut. Jimmy Hergut, that's who it was. There you go. Yeah, Jimmy Hergut is up my young God. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm still very much in on on Reed Detmers. We uh, yeah. I don't know if it was with you or with Drew the last. Last podcast when we talked about about Detmers, mm-hmm. I still liked him as a as a buy low. I think I mean he was what we, what we got excited about with Reed Detmers the velocity spike, um, throwing the slider a lot harder like that which he started to do in the second half last year. He was still doing it this year, even though the results hadn't been there. But he was still getting swinging strikes. Um, the peripherals peripherals looked good. Uh, so I'm very much still in on Detmers. Kopech is certainly back on my radar. It was against the Royals, we should point out. Um, yes. So take it with a little bit of a grain of salt, but you know, nonetheless, a very impressive performance from Kopech. I, I still worry about the control. I worry about um, how much he would is going to rely on the fastball for to get those whiffs. I don't know that they can necessarily come. For a guy who throws as hard as he does, he hasn't been awesome from a strikeout perspective. And that combined with the control issues and the fact that the White Sox are just kind of a dumpster fire right now. Um, not great for Michael Kopech. So I would certainly lean Detmers of those two guys. But Kopech is at least back on the radar for sure in mixed leagues. Yeah, absolutely. And look – Fastball guys are going to get the Royals. Like they are terrible against high hard velocity, and there's so much swing and miss in that lineup. I mean, but the quality thing here that I saw was that he was actually commanding his pitches because his control this year has just been awful. Awful, awful, awfully. And just look, he's allowed only one hit over his last start, but he walked six in the previous outing. Control wasn't a- great last year either. No. And it's yeah. never been his strength. It has always been – this was always the concern with Dylan Cease and Michael Kobeck, like as talented as anybody you could be, but will they throw enough strikes? I think we've seen Cease can throw enough strikes to be successful. kind of remains to be seen whether Kopech can, but I'm definitely paying more attention to that. Well, we got an interesting question here, Ryan, before I get to my next thing, because uh, I am very curious what your thoughts are here. The Heart Foundation asks us, I need to drop a first baseman. Who would you drop out of these players, Vargas, Naylor, or Manessis? Now, I'm assuming Vargas is Miguel. 
I'm not dropping Joey Manessis, I'll tell you that much. And I don't think I think Bo Naylor, or excuse me, I think Naylor's pretty clearly the answer here. Yeah. Is that is that also your thought process? Uh-oh, are we gonna fight? <laughs> I actually would drop Manessis out of those three guys. Oh um, you know, Naylor from a like if you look at the baseball savant leaderboards as far as uh expected woba versus actual woba he has the biggest difference in, in all of baseball uh he's been extremely unlucky from that perspective hitting the ball hard he for a guy an alleged power hitter doesn't strike out much um he can't hit lefties but you know he is in the middle of a admittedly terrible lineup right now um Manessas, you know, he has been hitting better lately, but he hasn't really been showing much power, even even with that. That's just not a good Nationals lineup. I mean, I, I Miguel Var- Vargas is the would be at the top of these of this list sure. for me. Um, still love the plate discipline. Um, I don't know about the counting stats if they'll totally be there with him. Um, I know there are a little bit of questions about how much home run power he could ultimately have. I, I just think he's a great hitter, though, and he'll figure it out. And he's obviously part of a great lineup. So I would list them in that order, personally, as far as preference. Yeah, I get that the, there's been some bad luck. I was just actually talking to a buddy of mine. He sent me a message. He said, what would account for a hitter having such a high expected slugging percentage while actually not having a high slugging percentage? And you know, the obvious answer is bad luck. There's also something to be said about that. Josh Naylor doesn't strike out a lot, but he swings at terrible pitches. His chase rate is in the bottom seventh percentile. I was just, I, the only reason I know that is because I was literally looking it up with that guy. And I don't think sometimes they, they do a great job of calculating, like, it's harder to drive a baseball that's out of the strike zone than it is to drive a baseball that is in the strike zone. And I think Josh Naylor is better than this, but I hate the Cleveland lineup. I'm not saying the Washington lineup is great by any stretch of the imagination, but I will also say that I picked Joey Manessis as one of my sleepers for the year as a guy to finish potentially inside of like, I think Drew and I did like inside of the top 50, which is obviously not going to happen now, but I think he's going to hit for average for his entire career. He has one of my favorite swings, doesn't drive the baseball as much. And again, the RBI chances aren't going to be there, but. Ryan is wrong, and Chris Crawford is right. Uh, speaking of first baseman, Jared Walsh, it looks like he is finally going to skip to make his debut, uh, has missed all of the season while dealing with insomnia and migraines, which is just some I can relate to the insomnia. I can't relate to the migraines, thank goodness gracious, because they just sound like a horrible thing. But it does sound like he's feeling better. They have given Walsh kind of carte blanche of when he wants to come back. Uh, but has hit really well. He did go one for five in his last game, but was hitting like 440 in his, or actually I think it was like 500 and has dropped down to 440. Uh, Walsh was not good last year. Did show flashes of brilliance in 2020 and 2021. Sounds like he'll get plenty of playing time, uh, a chance to play first base, especially with Anthony Rendon out of the lineup because you're going to have Gio Urshela playing there. Are you rushing out to get Walsh or are you taking a wait and see approach? Uh, rushing out to get him. No. Um, I did go ahead and stash him in a 14 team league 
actually this mm. morning. Um, you know, it's hard to say how much the, I know the, the migraines and insomnia, he said he's been dealing with for a long time, dating back to last year. So how much did that affect him last year? Uh, that's difficult to quantify, but I've got to imagine it certainly had an effect if he had been dealing with, um, with it during last season as well. You know, like you mentioned, 28 home runs in 2021, um, good finish in 2020 as well. Uh, I know the expected stats for him in 2021 kind of said that he probably was going to regress some, which he obviously, he kind of crashed hard last year, but again, you know, how much did the the ailments he was dealing with affect him? He's going to be probably batting fifth, I would say, maybe. Right around there. Um, and behind four pretty talented hitters. Sure. I think he's worth keeping on your bench at least, especially in deeper leagues, um, because he does have power. Um Strike strikes out a decent amount. I'm not sure what right. he's going to be able to do against lefties, but especially in daily leagues, if you can, if you can stick him in there um, in games when they're facing righties, I, I think he could be productive. But a bench bat probably initially is what I would I would recommend. Yeah, Adam, and you know, there's very little risk about dropping him if he is the player that we saw in 2022. But like. Look, he did show those flashes of brilliance. He will get a chance to drive in runs because that red, that top of that lineup, very, it's very similar actually to San Diego, where they have a very solid top of the lineup, and the bottom is uh, not so much. It's actually true about a lot of teams. One of them, I uh, right behind me, I've been watching struggle at the bottom of the lineup quite a bit. Colton Wong, my goodness gracious, I'm sorry. I I I, I wish I could go on an hour long rant about how terrible. Colton Wong has been. And I, I'm sure that hurts you a little bit because Colton Wong was probably one of your favorite Cardinals at some point. I don't know if I would go that far. I, I do. I like him personally. Yeah. Um, I think he's a good dude. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he, it was kind of an unceremonious uh, exit, exit yeah. from the Cardinals. They, they expected to, I, I at least expected them to pick up his option. They just kind of, Kind of let him go, but yeah, Colton Wong not on the, not trending in a good direction right now. He, he's looking like a very old thirty-two year old. He is. He's and he's played a lot of baseball. He has played yeah. a lot of baseball. And I forgot he did get picked off that one time. That's why you hate Colton Wong. I totally, totally understand. Uh, speaking of things not going in the right direction, Aaron Hicks, right before we were about to start recording, designated for assignment. He hit 188 with a 524 OPS, and look, let's just be honest here. I wonder how much of this has to do with appeasing fans a little bit. Now, look, they're not going to completely do this. I've never heard a player booed like Aaron Hicks gets booed in Yankee Stadium, like consistently and thoroughly, and I feel bad for the guy because it's like he's trying, and he did show flashes of brilliance in that career, like, the Aaron Hicks for uh, Garza trade was always one of my favorite challenge trades of all time. But this was a guy who was, in 2018, was close to a five-win player. But since then, hasn't been able to stay healthy. And when he has been healthy, has been pretty terrible. I don't think he's going to get a uh, chance to be a regular with anybody else. Do you? Uh, no, I would, I would doubt it. I mean, he's kind of 
what was it a seven year 77 million dollar extension he, yeah. he's just kind of turned it totally in the wrong direction since then about two years and 20 million left on that deal so certainly not going to get claimed off waivers got to imagine he's going to decline the the outright assignment so he'll he'll be able to catch on uh i mean someone the eric Hosmer got a got a job so i guess we can't completely rule it out another guy who was just dfa'd by the way eric Hosmer. that's right yeah um so yeah good luck to aaron hicks he got his money um so good for him um i don't know if he's gonna find another starting job though i would bet against no. it and i would guess that he's looking at a minor league deal with a uh Maybe an upward mobility clause, which, by the way, is something I totally forgot about until we saw Greg Allen get traded um, because he has that upward mobility clause. Or if he doesn't have that, it'll have some sort of opt out where he can go play. Could see him being a guy who could go overseas and do make a nice little living and killing over there as well. But I think his days, his days of being a fantasy relevant player actually passed quite a bit ago. I don't think it's changing uh, anytime soon. Okay. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and then we are going to look at some prospects and look at whether or not Ryan and I are rostering them now or if you can be patient. A new MLB season means it's time for a new kind of daily fantasy baseball. Rival Fantasy is the fantasy platform reinventing the way daily and weekly games are played, and they've brought new games to the ballpark this year that fantasy players won't find anywhere else. Rival Fantasy games include Fantasy Bingo, Head-to-Head Player Challenges, and Fantasy Book, where users can select over-unders for two to five players. With games like this, Daily Fantasy has never been better. Now, right now, RotoWire listeners can get a $50 protected first play. That means if you win your first play, you keep your winnings. But if you lose your first entry, Rival Fantasy will fully refund you up to $50. Bucks. Go to play.fantasy. Go to play.rivalfantasy.com slash signup and use code ROTOWIREMLB at signup and deposit a minimum of $25 to get your first entry on Rival protected up to $50. Now's the time to step up to the plate and become a rival today. Welcome to the arena. Baseball has always been America's pastime, but a close second is horse racing and we've got the best way to get in on the action. Stable Duel brings a new way to play the races and this weekend they have over 20,000 in prizes for the Preakness Strikes. Select your team or your stable of horses and compete against other players for big money prizes. Watch your stable move up the leaderboard as your horses accumulate points based on where they finish in the race. Don't know anything about horse racing? That includes me. Don't worry. The app has all you need to know with free data on each horse's record as well as risk, speed, and value number for choosing your best runners. This is the first game of its kind and you don't want to miss out. Get in on the action and start perfecting your strategy. Download the Stable Duel app now and begin your building your winning stable. Play, race, win with Stable Duel. Download at StableDuel.com. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. All right, let's talk about some prospects. And again, I I love talking about prospects. I, I will again promote my article every Wednesday, Imminent Arrivals, which looks at the top 10 prospects uh, for redraft leagues with the best chance to contribute this year, not Dynasty, but this year in leagues. And there's some good ones, but we got to start, Ryan, with the guy who's number one on my list. He just became number one on my list. He passed a uh, certain guy that we'll talk about next. L.A. De La Cruz. And look, L.A. De La Cruz missed the first three weeks of the season with a hamstring strain and got off to a pretty slow start. Actually, a really slow start. Well, not so slow anymore. He's hitting 276 with a 943 OPS. He's homered six times. He has stolen seven bases. I think everyone saw that ridiculous game where he had three, three balls hit over 116.3 miles per hour, which is just stupid. I don't care if it's in AAA. I don't care if it's against pitchers that we will never talk about ever again. That is stupid, Ryan. And this guy has unbelievable fantasy upside. Are you rostering him right now, or are you waiting for Cincinnati to make the call? If I have the roster space, I mean, yeah, you mentioned the fantasy upside. Like, I'm I'm trying not to be too hyperbolic here, but – like he has like number one overall fantasy pick 100%. upside. Like he's, yep. and that's that's without even factoring in the fact that he is going to be playing his games at Great American Ballpark as well. That's a great point. Um, so just what, 47 stolen bases he had last year was only caught five times. The power is just, as you mentioned, just bonkers. It's nuts. He, he's very. I know he's drawn a lot of comps to O'Neill Cruz because mm-hmm. the tools are similar in that regard. Um, he's also got a, a huge arm, uh, very fast, hits the ball a mile. He's also a very tall shortstop, yes, like much like O'Neill Cruz. And that's another thing I wanted to talk ask you about. Like, what what are the Reds going to do positionally because yeah. they have about. 47 shortstops on the major league roster and another 47 in the minors. Mm -hmm. And they can't 
I don't think they can all play shortstop at the same time. <laughs> unless we're gonna frowned upon. Unless we're gonna invent some new defensive alignment. Um, he is not. He's played some third base. Mm-hmm. Um, in addition to shortstop, he has not played the outfield yet. I know some have s- speculated maybe he could be like a right fielder over the in the long term. Mm-hmm. Um, that might be his best path right now to uh, to at bats on the big league roster. But he has not played the outfield at all yet in the minors. I, I don't believe. Um, you know, Nixon Zell is now playing a lot of third base, which it's kind of funny that we. Right now, he's finally playing the position that he came up playing. This is right. It's been and Nixon Zell is playing well too. So I think he's. he's I mean, he's kind of back on the. The Reds hope he's back on the radar as far as one of those um, kind of long term pieces. We'll see if the injuries. Uh, he can stay away from the injuries this time, but yeah, Matt McLean is up now. They have what Edwin Arroyo in the minors as well. Um. Encarnacion Strand, who we're also going to talk about, another infielder there who can play first and third base. Joey Votto, we assume, is going to come up at some point and take over at first base. Maybe he's going to be a full-time DH. They just have a lot of decisions to make there. Um, Not a bad problem to have. There's a lot of exciting young talent in in the big leagues and in the minors close to the big leagues on that in that Cincinnati organization, but they do have some decisions to make. Where, where do you think De La Cruz's ultimate home is going to be in the big leagues? So I think ultimately he's a third baseman, which okay. is very interesting because look, the Reds are just chock full of infielders. It is a good problem, but it is a fantasy nightmare because you have like Matt McClain is up and playing shortstop right now. And I think he's interesting. He'd be somebody I'd be looking at rostering. Christian and Encarnacion Strand, who we're going to talk about. They've also got guys like Noel de Marte and Edwin Arroyo. And look, Spencer Steer has shown flashes of brilliance in his time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, they, they're really interesting. And Jonathan India is probably their best overall player and is playing second base. Ultimately, I think they're going to call up De La Cruz to play some shortstop and some third base and give him a chance to play both. The long-term development is more important, and it's the only reason that I'm a little hesitant about rostering him now is I just cannot guarantee that he's up. At some point, Cincinnati's going to realize this is two things. One, it is a waste to have this guy in AAA, and two, pissing off your best prospect to gain an extra year of service time is stupid because LA, LA De La Cruz, and this is what the Mariners realized with Julio Rodriguez a little too late, um, Although it worked out fine because they end up signing the extension. Kevin Mather, I hope you're listening to this and just stub your toe constantly. Um, they, the Royals realized this with Bobby Witt Jr. The Tigers realized this with Spencer Torkelson. Getting an extra year to just infuriate your top player and their representatives ain't worth it. It just ain't. If you are doing service time manipulation in the year 2023 and it's happening don't get me wrong it happened with grayson rodriguez they can say all that they want about how he wasn't ready bull crap the reason that he was down is they saw the perfect excuse with his struggles in spring training and said okay we can gain a couple extra weeks here 
Ultimately, I think he is going to be up. I think that long-term, he's a third baseman. They will give him every chance to stick at shortstop. And he has the athleticism for it right now. There's no question about it. It's just hard to see shooting guards sticking at shortstop. And like O'Neill Cruz, that's not a shooting guard. That's a small forward that could play a stretch four for you. And like, that's just stupid that he was, he's that athletic that he can even kind of handle the position. But I'm rostering him now. There's just too much FOMO for me because he could come up and be an immediate, even with strikeouts, because he is going to swing and miss a bunch. You have those long levers. He is going to strike out quite a bit. It's worth it. It is absolutely worth it. He could be that guy who hits 210 and is still fantasy relevant because he gives you 30-30 rates. And if you're going to get those 30-30 rates from a shortstop, I think you're doing okay. Um, and, and he that, could be a guy, I, I, too. Sorry to interrupt. I was no, going to say, he could be a guy, too, that even with the like the plate discipline not great, he actually had, had a – his walk rate this year in AAA has been good, but you never know like how much that is. Did he improve, or is does the reputation mean that the pitcher is staying, staying away from right. him? Yeah. Um, uh, but like he could hit the ball so hard that he could hit two fifty, even if he's the plate discipline is terrible. So absolutely, that's something yeah. to keep in mind with and, him as well. And it's worth pointing out his plate discipline; his numbers are much better. He started out like 24 and two strikeout to walk ratio, and it's just jumped up considerably since. Uh, long story short, LA De La Cruz is really good. And you probably, if he's still available, unless you're playing in like an eight team league or something like that, I think you got to roster him right now. Uh, Jordan Walker. Uh, Jordan Walker is still a prospect. He uh, definitely counts because he only played 20 games with St. Louis. I think he played just fine offensively. Uh, 718 OPS with them. Things have not gone great in Memphis so far. Uh, over 75 at bats, he's hitting 187, 295, 307 with two homers, has stolen three bases, which is nice to see. A 20 to nine strikeout to walk ratio, which is, you know, not great, but it's nice to see the nine walks. I'm ignoring the AAA numbers. Um, my concern with Jordan Walker just has more to do with the fact that I wonder how much they really want him to actually the one rare instance of actually working on defense is a real thing. Are you still holding on to Jordan Walker in your redraft rosters? I think I might surprise you with this answer, but I, I'm not okay. um, going out of my way to hang on to him. Um, as much as the skill set with Jordan Walker is huge, um, I don't know that he was, I was kind of worried initially anyway, when he, even when he did make the, the opening day roster, I wasn't sure he was quite ready. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he, he fared well enough. I think he treaded water, I would say at the major league level, um, you know, working on the defense and also he had a ton of, hit a ton of ground balls. I know they wanted to work on that working that launch angle, perhaps that's part of the part of the struggles. I, I did see a side by side clip. One of the Cardinals follows that I have that I follow on Twitter, put it up. They compared um, one of his home run swings from earlier this season in the majors to the minors. And he, he, at least to my eye, my un, untrained non-scout eye, it looks like he's, got a little more of an uppercut to his swing like it's yeah. not as flat so 
I mean, if he's legitimately making change that changes there, it's not terribly surprising that he's going through a little bit of an right. adjustment. Um, and I don't know that they, I mean, Tyler O'Neill's going to be back at some point, although he's the back injury is kind of lingering. Um, I don't know that there's necessarily an everyday spot for him right now. And they have the perfect excuse because he is struggling to keep him down for a while. Also needs to work on the defense. He also, by the way, the uh, I think it's 172 days they have to be on the active roster as far as qualifying for that extra draft pick is when the right. the postseason awards and that window has already gone by. So they don't really have much incentive now to bring him up like soon necessarily. Um, so they could wait wait for him to get hot, which is probably at this point what they should do and get a little more comfortable in right field. Um, This is a long-winded answer to say that I'm not necessarily waiting for him in redraft leagues. Still love him in Dynasty. I'm not counting on redraft value from Jordan Walker. That's totally fair. And look, I still have him number two on my list, but I am still – very understanding of why, just because there are a lot of risks that come with rostering him. And, you know, they you need your bench. Your bench is an important part, and there is a chance that you just don't see Jordan Walker until, like, August, and maybe not until September. I certainly think he'll get a chance to help them by then. At the same time, I'm still going to roster him just because I don't – I am a big upside guy. And the fact that he can hit for average and hit for power – and we saw flashes of it. Like he hit 274 as a 20 year old in the majors. And yes, he's working on some stuff. I hope they don't work on it too much and do what happened with Kelnick, uh, where Kelnick became a way power over hit guy. And, you know, that it, it works for some, it doesn't work for others. I, I admire adding some launch angle stuff. Hard contact is hard contact. I think it's going to work out for him just fine. But I definitely think it's. I'm definitely rostering Inlay De La Cruz at this point over Jordan Walker, which is something I did not think I would be saying a couple weeks ago, but now I am for sure. Uh, This guy still counts as a prospect too, Ryan. Royce Lewis. And Royce Lewis, I mean, we were going to talk about him anyway. He helped us out by hitting two home runs in a rehab game for AAA St. Paul. He's been excellent in his five games back. Now, for those who forgot about Royce Lewis, he was the first overall pick of the 2017 draft. Looked great, had a terrible 2019 season, then missed all of 2020, looked good in the, uh, obviously missed 2020 because of the pandemic, then looked very good apparently during those uh, summer camp things, tears his ACL, comes back, tears his ACL again, but back. Now, it is worth pointing out that he cannot be called up until May 29th because he is on the 60-day injured list. But it kind of sounds like the Twins have plans for this guy, Ryan, and I think fantasy managers maybe should too. So I think he might actually be the guy of the guys we're talking about maybe at the top of the list for me. Mm. Um, I mentioned that I picked up Jared Walsh as kind of a speculative speculative ad for my bench in the same league, Jeff Erickson, our, our colleague, Jeff Erickson. Um picked up Royce Lewis this morning as well as a stash. And I was kicking myself that he had, (laughs) I kind of assumed he had already been, been rostered. Um, But alas, well, he's rostered now. 
and it's not on my <laughs> it's not on, not on my roster. Um, yeah. But you know, Jose Miranda back in the minors. Um, I think Royce Lewis is going to be their their third baseman sooner rather than later. You mentioned May 29th is when he's first eligible for activation, and he looks. I mean, he looks ready already. Frankly, um, three home runs, three stolen bases already as well over his first like five games. The skill set is enormous with him. Um, got good plate discipline as well. A, a pretty good Twins lineup he'll be a part of. Uh, should be multi-position eligible, possibly even triple eligible, depending on your on your format, um, right. which platform you play on. So very, very excited about Royce Lewis's prospects. He's uh, If he's not at the top of the list of the guys we're going to be talking about, he's he's up there quite high for me. Yeah, he'll be third on my list next week. There's a spoiler alert for you. And you know what? He may not be. Well, he will be because he can't be called up before Wednesday. So he definitely will still count. It is worth pointing out that he has played third base twice so far. He's played shortstop in the other three games. So that, you know, kind of bodes well for the thoughts that he will be their third baseman. By the way, I I, I hate to do it. I told you so stuff. Jose Miranda was a guy that I was super low on compared to everybody else. And you see why I still think he has a chance to be a decent player, but his approach has to just get significantly better, man. Like he has to give pitchers a reason to not throw him uh, pitches outside of the strike zone. And why do you, why do you hate Hamilton? Um, there's a lot of reasons. There's a lot of reasons. It, 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 <laughs> he's, it, he's related it, to Lynn Manuel Miranda, correct? Yes. That a, is a correct. Cousin? It, I yeah. do like, I do like, I do like Hamilton. I do like in the Heights. I am disappointed that it has spawned about 75 billion copycats. I'm a big, a big Broadway fan. I contain multitudes. Um, there are uh, a lot of things, by the way, once go see that show. If you ever get a chance to see it. Excellent. Um, but Royce Lewis, I think you have to roster right now. And I think it's somebody you got to go get like literally right now because he's hot. He yeah. is the, the, the name. He is the thing after those two homers, like there's no weight type of stuff. And he'd be somebody I'd be spending some fab on, too, to be completely honest with you. Like, would I spend a ton on De La Cruz or Jordan Walker? Probably not. I'd probably spend a good amount for Lewis just because it's happening soon. Like, June, that guy is going to be inside of their lineup. I have some long-term concerns about whether he can stay healthy. Two ACL tears is terrifying. But there's no doubt about the talent. I think he's going to hit for average. I think he's going to steal bases. I think the power is getting better each year, which is, you know, how this typically works. He seems like he's been around forever, but he's still only 23 years old, which somehow makes me feel young and old at the same time. Um, I am definitely, without a doubt, going to get him this week in as many leagues as possible. This is a guy who, uh, this next guy, Ryan, who started out <laughs> as hot as hot can get after missing time, just like Ailey De La Cruz, and he plays in the same infield of now, Christian and Arcarnacion Strand. Now, even with a slowdown, which is pretty crazy to say, this guy is still hitting 360, 381, 730. He's homered 10 times. I have some question marks about where the heck the Reds would play this guy, but there's no denying that this guy contains some of the best power in the minor leagues. Are you rostering Christian Encarnacion Strand right now, or at least considering it? Uh, deeper leagues, I think he sh he should be he should be stashed. Um, 
the plate discipline's bad. I think he's got like right. 27 strikeouts and two walks. Like I, I don't I don't know that he's going to hit for He's more likely to hurt you than help you in the average department. Um, I'd agree with that. But the power absolutely is is legitimate. Like 10 home runs, like 25 games or something like that at Louisville already. Yeah. And he's going to be playing at Great American Ballpark. Yeah. Um, you know, he's playing, I think, a little more first base than third base, but he can play both corner spots. And obviously, they have the DH spot available as well. We, we mentioned it earlier with uh, – during that Ellie De La Cruz talk, like it, it's the Reds have a lot of decisions to make positionally, um, but it's hard to say with a straight face to Christian Encarnacion Strand right. that you're not ready for the big leagues. Like, it, I mean, he he's got to get a chance sooner rather than later, I would think. And these things do have a tendency to work themselves out. Somebody's probably going to get hurt. Um, I don't know if, I mean, Joey Votto's kind of dragging his feet on the, on the rehab, uh, that implies that I'm blaming him. I'm not doing, I'm not blaming him, but, um, it's just taking a little longer than expected. So don't know when we're going to see him, um, because the average is likely to be a detriment. I think he's more reserved for deeper leagues and and also because they're, he probably going to play more first base, I would guess, um, and that's a deeper position. So I think he's worth stashing in deeper leagues, but shallower leagues probably more of a wait and see. What do you think? Yeah, I think so as well. Like the, you just can't ignore this type of power. It is borderline 80 grade. And I struggle sometimes to give 80 grades to prospects, but I think that power, like you saw it in spring training too. Like he more than held his own. There were some people who were wondering if this guy was going to make the major league roster. That obviously wasn't going to happen. We do this every year with prospects, but you can't ignore. And it's worth pointing out that these are a slowdown. Those numbers, like he was hitting 440 not that long ago. I know that because I was writing those numbers for the prospect uh, imminent arrivals. I have some real questions about the batting average and definitely about the on-base percentage because he swings at everything. I can make hard contact. He's got a little bit of Vladimir Guerrero Sr. in him that he can hit the ball out on pitches outside of the strike zone. I think that there's a, a big risk there with average, but I think that the chance to hit for power and to drive in some runs in a so-so when he gets that call-up lineup, that might become a lot better if it's both Encarnacion Strand and De La Cruz coming up at the same time. The Reds are weird, man. Like, I real quick, Jonathan India, do you consider trading Jonathan India if you're the Reds? Like, his value's maybe at his all-time high right now, and you've got all these infield dudes. When Jonathan India is ready for, like, his big time contract, it might be the time when you are like finally in contention. Do you consider trading Jonathan India if you're the Reds? I mean, I think you have to consider it. Like that's, yeah. they have to be open to a bunch of different things because they have, yes. there's so many potential moving parts with having, as I mentioned, 47 infielders in the majors and the minors that are, either major league ready or borderline major league ready right now. So that, I mean, that would make sense. He's not, he's on a different timeline than most of these other guys, as far as his peak performance. And yeah, I hate that. I think you would ideally like to spread that out, but if you could, but you know, I do think it would make sense. um, Especially he's unfortunately going to be arbitration eligible before long. 
going to be, be getting more expensive. Um, and you might have heard the the Reds the Reds are the Reds owners ownership group is anyway. Let's just move on to the next thing. Deplorable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we have a lot of Cincinnati Red fans. It's kind of funny. Our old company we had a bunch of St. Louis Cardinals uh, fans. We're we're in Cincinnati Red territory now, Ryan. And yeah. uh, I feel bad talking about them, but they're. Uh, did you also see, by the way, that the Reds drew like 12 people for their City Connect debut against the New York Yankees? Uh, so apparently when that guy asked, where else are you going to go? The answer was stay at home. Uh, real quick, we want to get to some pictures. So I'm going to ask you to go real quick through these guys uh, on our list. Um, Sal Frelick, is he somebody that you were considering for a roster spot? No on Frelick. Um, he's probably still got like a month to go recovering from that thumb surgery. And he was kind of off to slow start anyway. So he, he would be a no for me. He'd be a no for me as well, but he'd be somebody that I would be ready to jump on as well because his chance to hit for average and steal bases is special. I'm a big fan of him long-term. I think you can get away with not rostering him right now. Jordan Westberg, infielder for the Baltimore Orioles. He's a yes for me. Um, absolutely destroying the ball at Norfolk. Um, it starts at five different positions. So, uh, you know, you wonder, you ask, where is he going to play? I mean, he could play any number of positions. Um, you know, he is a he does hit right-handed, correct? Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Uh, so that's not ideal as far as the setup of Canman Yards goes, but, I mean, he can – he has a legitimate power. He can run a little bit and play multiple positions. He's he would be fairly high on my uh, my list of potential roster stashes. So I like Westberg a lot long term. I am not rostering him now, mainly mainly because of what's going on with the Baltimore infield right now and the fact that he's not on the forty man roster. I think that when they get Westberg up, they want him to be a guy who plays every single day, similar to what they did with Gunnar Henderson. Similar a little bit with Adley Rutschman, although Rutschman's case was more injury. I think people forget that he had that wrist injury before the season. Holy crap, that guy's good, by the way. Um, I think, especially with uh, Diaz as well for Baltimore, is a guy that they like a lot and is already on the 40-man roster, and you've seen him already called up as well. I just can't guarantee that we see Westbrook, Westberg, excuse me. Do not uh, roster Russell Westbrook is uh, – <laughs> uh, I don't think Westberg is a guarantee to be up until around the all-star break, whereas most of the guys we're talking about, I see getting called up a little bit sooner, but certainly worth consideration. And if you have a deep league, uh, you could do worse because infielder who can hit for power, definitely interesting. And then finally, uh, Edouard Julien of the Minnesota Twins. Is he someone you're rostering right now? In deeper leagues, um, I think it, a lot depends on how much this uh, Jorge Polanco hamstring injury might linger. Um, looks, looks like a day-to-day -day situation for now, but I mean, Julian would be a natural replacement if if they decide that uh, that uh, Jorge Polanco does need an IL stint. Um, as we mentioned, Royce Lewis can't be promoted quite yet, so right, Julian would be a would be a guy that they could plug in at second base. Nick Gordon just went down as well. So there's potentially a uh, an opening there as well. But Julian, magnificent play discipline, can hit for some yeah. power and, and run some. Um, strikes out quite a bit as well. Uh, I do like the skill set. I, I think in deeper leagues he'd be an, uh, 
a worthy roster stash. Yeah, he's one of the rare guys that I like a lot more in redraft than I do in dynasty because I have no idea where that guy's going to play. And it's not a case of Minnesota's got too many infielders. It's the fact that that guy is not a good defensive player. He's just not. He has a poor arm. He's not a fast guy. He is more of a designated hitter type candidate for me, which, look, he can still play, but it's very hard to justify a designated hitter that doesn't hit for huge power. But on base for skills, especially in OBP leagues, he's definitely somebody I'm considering a stash right now because his approach is excellent. Um, I'm kind of torn on him as a legitimate uh, fantasy option just because I don't know if he's going to steal a ton of bags. He's uh, a savvy runner, so maybe uh, the caught stealing rate won't be too bad. But again, not a, not a burner. Pretty much uh, I'm, I can talk myself in and out of Edouard Julien, but I do like saying his name an awful lot. All right, let's talk about some pitchers. Uh, Gavin Stone. Gavin Stone is coming off an excellent start. We did see him in his MLB debut not look very good. And it's worth pointing out that MLB debut was against the Philadelphia Phillies, who are very good, uh, offensively anyway, the pitching. <laughs> but the, the, the that is a tough lineup to debut against. Gavin Stone was arguably the outside of Andrew Painter, the best minor league pitcher in baseball last year. Kind of came out of nowhere. A guy I see with 260 pitches and a wipeout change. And you saw some flashes of that change, even in a poor start against the Phillies. And it also looks like there's going to be some opening here. Dustin May is uh, almost assuredly going to be a long-term injury after. Oh, it's so disappointing because I love Waluigi so much. He's so fun to watch on the mound. But it does look like this is going to be a long-term thing. And, uh, you know, Noah Syndergaard hasn't been great. Long story short, I think Gavin Stone is, if any pitcher on these lists, probably the most must-roster right now, yeah? Well... Yes and no, I would okay. say. Um, okay. I'm a the reason why I'm a little hesitant. One, he hasn't been great at AAA. He has been a lot better lately. Yes. Um, I would like to see a little more domination at AAA before he – and he wasn't great in his first start in the majors as well. Right. Secondly, his – assuming he comes up Monday to replace Dustin May, his first two starts are at Atlanta and at Tampa Bay. Um, that's tough. That's that's about as rough as it can get. And the week after that, or the I guess week week and a half after that, he would be set up for. This is all tentative. The Dodgers could massage it differently if they want. Um, but he would be lined up to get the Yankees at home and then the Phillies on the road after that. Jeez, so that's, that's not nice. Really rough. Yeah. Um, he could, if he's has kind of righted the ship as it has seemed like he has has that's like 47 has uh, <laughs> at triple a yeah maybe he can get go through that kind of gauntlet of matchups but that's still my only hesitation i do think there's a potential long-term home for him as you mentioned Syndergaard has just not looked good and unfortunately D dustin may could be on the shelf for a while so i think yeah. gavin stone could pitch his way into a long-term home in that rotation but I'm, I hesitate must roster because those matchups are awfully daunting. Yeah. And there's definitely a reason I qualified like must roster for a pitcher. It's kind of like being, um, there's no, there's no PC way to say it. So I'll skip it. Um, there, the pitchers are risky, especially pitching prospect. However, 
if I have spots on my bench, I'm adding him and then I am sitting him. There's no way that I am streaming him against those lineups. Those are good lineups. But I've seen that stuff. I've seen, and the reports have been really good. He was excellent in his last start. He did strike out 10. It's nice to see the bat missing that he was showed that he showed last year. You know, some risk. I do like the fact that paying behind the Dodgers offers a chance for win chances because the Dodgers are really good at baseball, Ryan. I don't know if you've heard, um, but they have done a pretty nice. It's funny, people were complaining about wondering if this is the year, and then it's like, no, no, <laughs> nope, the Dodgers are going to be. Uh, just fine. I'm not sure if this team's going to be just fine that this prospect pitches for Ryan, but uh, they're pretty good at this whole pitching thing. I want to talk about Gavin Williams. Now, Gavin Williams was the first round pick in 2021 out of Eastern Carolina, posted a 1.96 ERA in 2022, and all he's done so far in 2023 is a 1.32 ERA with 47 strikeouts and 13 walks. This is a guy that shows four swing and miss pitches and not great command, but certainly the ability to throw enough strikes. He's six foot six, 250. He's a big man who needs a big cereal, Ryan. There's some question marks, I guess, with Cleveland about um, how many rooms there are in that in. But Gavin Williams is somebody that I'm certainly considering with a roster spot. What about you? Yeah, I, for that last reason you mentioned, I, he's still more dynasty target for me. I mean, fair. I can imagine he's totally fair available in your dynasty league but yeah for redraft purposes i mean they have aaron savali is about ready to return tristan mckenzie i think is starting rehab assignment today uh or maybe tomorrow this weekend sometime so he's probably going to be back soon sticks uh they already have tanner bybee up he's pitching well logan allen is is doing is doing well maybe they yeah Maybe they could make a trade to free up a spot, but I mean that's even with Zach Plesak already in the minors, um, that's a lot of uh, rotation spots kind of already spoken for. So that's my only hesitation with Williams. As far as the skills go, it's a it's about as good as they get as far as pitching prospects go right now. Yeah, yeah, he's I mean he's sensational. And I'll say this: the reasons I always all explained, I will also say this. Aaron Savali ain't holding Gavin Williams back if the Cleveland Guardians think he's ready to go. Tanner Bybee isn't even holding Gavin Williams back if they think he's ready to go. Logan Allen, who's been good, um, has been a little bit lucky, a little bit. Um, but, you know, has pitched well and missed more bats than I expected. When the Guardians determine that Gavin Williams is ready to roll, they're going to add him to the rotation, and they'll just have to find a way to make the room but I also, you know, Cleveland hasn't been super aggressive with promotions in the past. Some of that has to do with being a very cheap organization, service time manipulation. But I've also talked to people in their organization, and they actually do believe there is value in spending time in each level. And he's only made seven starts in AAA. Um, I still would consider him in a very deep league, something where I've got like seven or eight bench spots because – his upside competes with any pitcher, not just in the minor leagues, but like he has a chance to be like an ace ace. That stuff is that good. By the way, Taj Bradley would be uh, another name that we were going to talk about, but he's already on the major league roster. It's crazy how much better he's been in the majors than he's been in AAA. Kind of tells you that he's been playing with some stuff in those regards. Um, yeah, I think I would consider it, but I think you can also play a little bit 
of the waiting game, maybe wait and hear some rumors from uh, their very fine beat writer group. It's a good beat writer group in Cleveland. Mandy Bell does a really good job. Uh, another Cincinnati writer I wanted to talk to you, and we'll kind of close out uh, in a little bit of a, a lightning round with this one as well. But Andrew Abbott, Andrew Abbott has just missed bats like a crazy person, uh, gets promoted from double A, and he's still missing bats, not quite as many as. Uh, you know, uh, as he was in double A, that's usually how it works. It gets harder as you're going up. The concern, I think, is the everything we just talked about, how excited we are about the offensive guys. Pitching in Cincinnati is pretty darn hard. And you're going to see, even with Nick Lodolo and Hunter Green, you see plenty of missed bats. We also see some high run totals when they're pitching in that ballpark. Would that be your biggest concern with Andrew Rabbit? Sure. Um I still think maybe he might be at the top of this list, though, for me, just because nice. there's a clear Ben Lively is not going to keep all due respect to Ben Lively. Oh, He's not going to keep Lively, uh, Andrew Abbott out of the Reds rotation, especially with Ben Lively, especially with uh, Nick Lodolo probably looking like he's going to miss at least a month or so. Right. There's there's a rotation spot to be had. Um, and I think. Abbott's going to turn 24 in like a week. So yeah. it's not like he's super young. Um, he looks ready. He, not quite as dominant at AAA as you mentioned, but he's still getting plenty of plenty of swings and misses. Oh, yeah. I think he's definitely worth, worth stashing. You know, the upside is from a strikeout perspective is, is enormous with him. Um, is he going to give up a few home runs in that park? That's inevitable. But I still like the uh, the strikeout upside a bunch with Andrew Abbott. Yeah, he can miss bats, man. And this is not a my. I guess my one concern with Abbott is that he doesn't have like the elite stuff of the arms that we were talking about a little bit. He misses bats more with deception and with command, and those guys can sometimes struggle, especially early on, because they have to make a pretty big adjustment. I'd be rostering him, and also. When he gets the call, because I imagine he's definitely going to get a call at some point in these next couple of weeks, uh, streaming dependent. When he's facing a good lineup at home, he's not in my lineup. I, it's Yes, he has the chance to give you eight or nine strikeouts, maybe even more, but he also has the chance to give up seven or eight runs in a very short amount of time just because, like, baseball's hard, and we see an adjustment period. Like, we've seen a lot of good pitching prospects look great, and then we have seen a lot of – um not so much. Uh, the Hart Foundation just said out of every fantasy baseball show, this is my favorite. And thank you. It's personally, I think it's just us, me and Ryan together. That's the best part of the show. Everything else is just so, so, but we do really appreciate the kind words. Um, uh, a bunch of people also asking about Michael Harris in the chat. Um, what the heck is going on? Roster him. You can't do better than Michael Harris on the bench. It stinks. I would be looking to trade him. Um, if you could for a nice return, but Michael Harris, as flawed as he can be, is going to have moments where he wins you some leagues, Ryan. I I cannot drop Michael Harris. I, I will say it's been very frustrating to see him batting ninth so much. Oh, huge! Yeah, especially when Eddie Rosario is batting fifth. Um, yes. So that's been frustrating for sure. But you look at the bat at ball data; he's still hitting the ball plenty hard. Um, I think Michael Harris is ultimately going to be going to be just fine we you you, sh you should have if you didn't you should have baked in some batting average risk with him because oh yeah oh, uh, terrible 
the plate discipline is not great with with Michael yeah. Harris. Um, but just from a home run and stolen base upside, I mean, he's it, it's huge still with him, and I think he's ultimately going to be fine. I would love to see him batting higher in that order, and I think there's still room for that. Um. Yeah, there are good outfielders on the waiver wire, as our good funny Rocky Balboa. Uh, someday, Ryan will rank the Rocky movies, by the way, when we have a little bit more time. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, it's frustrating as hell. But he's just too good. And I think that the numbers – by the way, he made a ridiculous throw. And that's one of the reasons why I'm keeping him. His outfield defense is so good that they're going to keep running him out there. He could be hitting terribly and – there's no doubt in my mind that Michael Harris is still going to be in the lineup because his defense is special. Uh, close out with a couple of uh, pitcher names. Uh, Bobby Miller, uh, who had a very, very nice start in his last outing for AAA as well. And for all the reasons we talked about with the Dodgers, you know, with their um, rotation issues at the bottom of it, which is such a funny thing to say for the Dodgers, but uh it is what it is. I think Bobby Miller is considered by many to be their best pitching prospect. I have a little bit behind Gavin Stone, but I totally get it. Would you consider Bobby Miller for a roster spot? He's more of a, like the, use the little flag where like put him on your watch list kind of guy for me. <laughs> yeah. um, like he's, okay. he missed some time at the beginning of the season with a shoulder issue. Um, as you mentioned, was really good his last time out, but he's, before that wasn't great. Mm-hmm. He's got some control issues, but you know, when he's on the stuff is just like wipe out lights out. Yeah. Great. Um, so it's, there's a chance something could like the light could just go on and he's throws strikes consistently and looks like an ACE that's, that's within the range of outcomes with Bobby Miller, but yeah. I think he needs a little more time. So he's more of a watch list guy. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, yeah, in terms of just pure stuff, I think he only probably of guys who still qualify as pitching prospects, probably Grayson Rodriguez and Yuri Perez, probably the only two guys that I have ahead of him. I think and there's Painter? a very good chance long term uh that he is I'm sorry, say that again. Andrew Painter? Uh no. Andrew Painter's more about command with me than uh mm-hmm. stuff with me. So I, I like Andrew Painter a lot. Don't don't get me wrong, but he is like a guy that I think he is. Um, I, I'm not saying he's overrated. I just think if you're expecting him to put up the kind of numbers that he put in the minor leagues, you are on a fool's errand because it's so much about command with him. Uh, anyway, before you rudely, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I think there's a chance Bobby Miller's a reliever because his command is not good. If he is a reliever, he could be among the very best in baseball because we're talking about in high uh max effort type stuff, 80 fastball, 70 slider, 70 change. How many guys can you say have anywhere close to that? Um, I, I think he's really interesting. If the command can get there, he's certainly a guy. Um, if he gets to call up, I think you can wait on him. And then finally, Ben Brown. Ben Brown is a guy who didn't completely come out of nowhere. Former Phillies prospect, interesting enough. Can you imagine Painter Abel and uh that guy would be at least a little bit interesting to be paying attention to. Has pitched well. Um, I am a little lower on the in the, the industry on Ben Brown. Do you think he is somebody you're considering for a roster spot? Not. A th- I think he's more watchless at this point as well. Um, he doesn't have the upside of the other guys we've talked about on this list, but there is probably more 
room in the rotation for, uh, as opposed to some of the other guys we talked about, you know, there's potential openings in that Cubs rotation for Ben Brown. Um, hasn't been as great at AAA, but he's been overall really good in the minors this season. Got him for David Robertson. The Cubs did, I know Hayden Wisniewski is disappointed this year and has subsequently been sent back to the minors, but they did pretty nice getting some uh, long-term starters for uh, rental relievers. I guess Scott F. Ross wasn't a rental reliever, but you, you get my drift. Yeah. Um, yeah, but Ben Brown is interesting. Um, I think he would be worth adding once he gets a once he gets a promotion if he has some favorable matchups lined lined up. But I'm not rushing out to stash him. Yeah, that's totally fair. I just don't see if I'm adding a pitcher uh, and it's not like a streaming thing. If I'm adding a long term guy, I need that elite swing and miss pitch. I need to see that 70 grade pitcher. 65, if you believe that 65 is a real grade, I do. It's a bell curve, yada, yada, yada. I, I don't see that from bed ground. I see a lot of 55s, and um, that can work. It can make you a solid back-end guy, but I'm probably not rostering a prospect who profiles as a back-end guy. There's There could be some long-term ramifications or positive ramifications with him, um, but I think you can do better. I think there are probably better. I'm certainly rostering all of the guys we just talked about over Ben Brown. I know he's a really popular Cub type of guy right now, but uh, yeah, I just don't quite see the upside. Real quick, I wanted to ask you about some double A guys. Uh, I would be considering rostering in about maybe not now is the time Jackson Cheerio and Jordan Lawler. Because those are the two guys that I think offer the most fantasy upside of those type of guys. Are you pretty much a no on rostering anybody who's below AAA at this point? In redraft, I'd be surprised if you have the roster space. Right. Uh, it just depends on your the platform you're playing on and your league setup. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think those roster spots are precious precious enough to where if it's in a redraft, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go that route. Yeah, that's totally fair. I will say there are some names that are at least interesting to keep an eye on, like uh, Jackson Churio and uh, Jordan Lawler, as I just mentioned. And actually Lawler has not been very good this year, um, but still a huge fan of him long-term. And I could see things turning around real quick as talented as any prospect in baseball. Um, keep an eye on Evan Carter of the Texas Rangers. He's in double a right now. Somebody I would actually be considering the rare exception rostering in a deeper league because, look, the the Rangers are for real. I think the Rangers are a legitimate playoff contending team. They're playing like this with just getting Corey Seager back. And Jacob deGrom, who we just talked about, you know, could be fleeting, could be that golf shot that we were talking about, but we'll get a chance to pitch. But even without those guys, this is a solid team. The outfield is the biggest question mark, and Evan Carter – is a legitimate top 20 prospect to me, a guy who can hit for average, some power, steal some bases, a player, Ryan, you know, I've covered the draft for a long time. Literally when they took him in the second round said who like had absolutely no idea who this dude was. It turns out they know what they're doing. There are times where I haven't heard of the guy and it has not worked out more often than not. It's usually a signing bonus thing, but Evan Carter would be somebody that I would absolutely be considering. And why do you hate Robbie Grossman? Why do I hate Robbie Grossman? He cut me in line at Wawa once. I was absolutely about to get some sweet 
uh, sandwiches and he just said, I'm Robbie Grossman. He ran right in front of me. And that's just, you know, if you do that, I'm going to start promoting uh, the prospects that are ahead of you on the depth chart. Anybody else that you uh, wanted to mention? I will uh, just mention, there's a few people asked about him in the chat. Matthew Libertor uh, just came mm. up and looked great. Um, yeah. He's, I, I do think there could still be some home run issues with him. The fastball velocity coming up is great. It's still a straight fastball and he doesn't always command it totally well. Yeah. If he can spot it at the top of the zone with that hammer curveball that he has, he could be really good, but I do think he could have some home run issues. He uh, he got some whiffs with the fastball in his first start, but he also gave up some hard contact. I think he there could be some starts where he gives up three home runs, um, and that'll obviously hurt your ERA. But I don't think Steven Matz is keeping him out of the rotation. No. Um, I do think there is room for Libertor in that rotation. He might, frankly, be one of their top two, three starters right now right. if he gets the opportunity, and I think he – he could. He's definitely going to get at least one more start, they say. Um, so, yeah, Libertor, probably more of a bench option, but I, I would be considering streaming for that next start and kind of crossing fingers, hoping he sticks around. Yeah, I think that's a really good call. I, did, I just didn't mention him because he's now on that major league roster. Uh, a couple other guys I wanted to touch on real quick because I got asked about him. Uh, uh, through my direct messages, please do not slide into my DMs, but every once in a while, I am willing to answer those questions. Uh, Casey Schmidt, who was called up by the uh, Giants, I think he's kind of a more real-life guy than a fantasy guy. I know he's had a really nice start, and he's hit a couple home runs in 10 games. I have some legitimate questions about the power. San Francisco, not necessarily the friendliest place for that as well. Um I think he could be a real nice guy. Boy, his arm is just sensational. I don't know if you saw, he broke his own record with a 95 mile per hour throw over to first base. So hit for some average, uh, an NL only roster guy that I would consider, um, but probably not a guy that I'm like jumping over anybody to go grab. And another infielder who's not in the majors right now that I would be at least taking a little bit of a look at here, Ronnie Mauricio, uh, his hit 356, 392, 609, uh, very nice legging percentage. I don't know if there's an opening for him right now, but I do think that the, you could do some roster maneuvering if you're the New York Mets and have Jeff McNeil play more in the outfield. And Mauricio apparently going to start playing some more second base as well. Could be an interesting double play guy. Having that shortstop eligibility, uh, a guy with power and speed, just be prepared to be crushed in average because there is – tons of swing and miss in this i know he's hitting 356 in the international league that will not carry over whatsoever at the major league level uh both guys that i'd be considering for a roster spot or one guy i'd be considering for a roster spot <laughs> yeah i i mean the the mets kind of have a log jam already uh mm -hmm. that's that would be my hesitation there so love the love the fantasy upside over the long haul with mauricio but he i'm not necessarily counting on on redraft value for him Ryan, we talked about prospects for an hour and 16 minutes. I could not be happier. Hey, if you're happy, I'm happy. Hey, we're all prospects in my book. Uh, that's going to do it for us on the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast, brought to you by Rival Fantasy. Go to rivalfantasy.com or download the app today and start playing a far better form of daily baseball. Follow us on Twitter. I am at Crawford underscore M I L B. 
Ryan is at Ryan P. Boyer. We both lost our check marks, but dang it, we're still on there pretty much every single day. Hit like and subscribe and leave a review if you enjoy what you're hearing. And a reminder, we do this every single day. Not us, but every single day you will be getting a new episode of Rotowire Fantasy Baseball. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk to you guys soon.